I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So Vic, do you think you might have ADHD? Well, listeners keep emailing me telling me that they think I do. So probably. Mind you, listeners also email us saying we talk too much about your mum's feet. So what do they know? Yeah, fair enough. I honestly had no idea about the connection between overdrinking and ADHD until we started this podcast. About 40% of people that have had any sort of drinking issues also apparently have ADHD. Whenever we chat to ex-drinkers, this comes up more than you'd believe. If you have ADHD or suspect you might or just want to learn about this link, then we would encourage you to check out the I Have ADHD podcast. It's the place where adults with ADHD find research-based information, validation and tons of support. This is the best way to feel less alone and hear some of the answers to the questions you've been sitting with for too long. You'll hear detailed descriptions of what it means to have ADHD and enjoy interviews with the foremost experts in the industry so that you don't have to read those ADHD books that are collecting dust on your shelf. Yeah. Listen to the I Have ADHD podcast and learn how ADHD affects every aspect of your life – From the boardroom to the bedroom. In the podcast, you'll also hear about their ADHD coaching programme, which is called Focused. Focused is made up of three pillars, courses, coaching and community. It is designed to help you build your own self-improvement programme and is perfect for the ADHD brain. And you can get $50 off the course just by using the code SOBER, S-O-B-E-R. So if you're tired of feeling stuck and don't know where to start, listen to the I Have ADHD podcast. I started drinking and smoking at 14 um, and it was very much sort of binge drinking. That's what we did. We got into, I, I, you know, could probably talk for hours on the reasons behind it, but it's, I think, mainly cultural. Um, and But the whole point was the weekend would come and you would go out and get drunk. You wouldn't go out and have one or two drinks or, sit, you know, the, the goal of the evening was to go out and get drunk. Um, so that's kind of what started it off. And I don't think it's an uncommon thing, particularly in, you know, like Australia, UK, America. It seems to be kind of what we do. Yeah, and it's absolutely. almost seen as like the reward for your hard work during the week is mm, to then yes, get absolutely hammered it. at the mm. week. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I was always a binge drinker. I never drank daily. Um except when I had the opportunity to. So so most of the time, being a lawyer, one of the things was I, I had to use my brain to do my job and I couldn't do that when I was hungover. Um, so what I would do is drink lots at the weekend, but then sober up and then going to work. But what I found were the binges were getting more and more extreme, as happens with everyone. The intake tends to increase. Um, And so it was kind of going more and more off the rails at the weekends in that, you know, I'd start drinking Friday lunchtime and sneak out of work in the afternoon and have another couple and then drink through the evening. Then I think one of the big changes for me was having children as well, because when you don't have children, you can wake up really hungover on a Saturday and just kind of slob around all day until you start to feel a bit better and then start drinking again. But when you've got young children, 
you don't have that luxury you have to get up and start moving around yeah for so me it was very similar yeah it was the, it, you have a con you have a consequence for the first time don't you a consequence yeah, exactly yeah. yeah but but my way of dealing with that was not to drink less but to start drinking in the mornings because I found then I would that would, yeah. <laughs> that would like pick me up enough to be able to start like get through the day yeah so so my weekend binge drinking like ended up literally in just constant drinking so it was mm. becoming more and more extreme. And I think the other thing when you have kids is you don't get enough sleep. So you never quite recover. So it was it, it was kind of going more and more off the rails. Yes, yeah, so I um, remember on the Sober Dave podcast, you saying that one of the one of the real changes was when you were on a train, when Lucy were chatting about it just a minute ago, you were on a train and you had a can of special brew on the <laughs> on the way to work. Is that right? Well, it was actually K-Cider. But oh, oh yeah. yeah. I, yeah, gave, you the, I yeah. gave you the wrong information. I think Alan was like looking, was, was like, oh, really? He was yeah. going, really? Wow. He's what a legend. <laughs> yeah, Alan's like, yeah. legend. I yeah. was on the, you were on the tube on the way to work in your suit with a, I thought it was a special brew. Oh, it sounds better if it's a special brew. Yeah. Can you it wasn't the barley wine. better, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, no, no, I hadn't I hadn't sunk that late. It, yeah, because special brew is 9%. <laughs> no. this, this was a mere oh, 8% gosh. cider. So oh, that was oh my God. Yeah, that's fine. So, a mere eight yeah, yeah. um, percent. Uh, Lucy and I's uh, drinking is a very, very similar story to yours. I think Lucy, isn't it? Yes. It's like we're binge drinkers. We were party girls. We grew up as teenagers drinking for confidence, and very, very similar style of you know being passed out in farmers' fields, going cow tipping. <laughs> Did you ever go cow tipping? <laughs> never. Yeah, you go and push no, cows never. over when they're asleep. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't do it personally. Yeah, often. right. <laughs> Yeah, so we really resonate with your story because it is a type of progressive drinking that um, all of us have experienced to some extent. It's changed over our lifetimes and, and it's, it's been very under the radar sort of drinking, like we call it the grey area drinking. I call it my Pinot Gris purgatory where we sort of fell through the cracks. But yeah, mm. very your story definitely resonates with us. Our idea for the podcast today is to break down sort of 24 hours in the life of a drinker and, and what happens to the brain. Lucy and I are really fascinated in that. So we're going to go through 10 points of the things. Me and Lucy came up with 10 points that we really want the answers to for personal reasons yeah. as well for our <laughs> listeners. Um, we want to find out why we kept repeating these crazy behaviours, you know, from the first craving all the way to the hangover. So I'll let Lucy start with the first question for you, William. Yeah, OK. okay. Are you ready to go, William? Oh, I don't know about that. But... Fire these questions <laughs> at go. you. <laughs> just make it up quick if you don't really are. Yeah, you don't yeah quick fire round. Um, okay, the first thing um, that comes to mind when you think about those drinking sessions um, is the thought of drinking because we start thinking about drinking hours, um, sometimes even days before we pick up that first drink and just knowing that you're going to have a drink um, is a wonderful feeling for a heavy drinker. Um, but also there's that shall I shan't I, that thinking about drinking and what you call it in your book, the cravings. Tell us about about that period leading up uh, um, to having that drink and why our brain is already going crazy at the thought of it. So, yeah, so <clears throat> cravings are quite an interesting thing. Um, and when people talk about cravings, they, they quite often talk about them like they're something you can't control, like they, you know, like a bolt of lightning coming out of the sky and hitting you. It's it's kind of external yes. to you. You <laughs> suffer yeah. it and you don't suffer it. Gosh, but that's so true. Of course, it isn't that at all. It's a conscious thought process you go through. Um, and how it usually starts is you start thinking about having an alcoholic drink. Um, and then you essentially start do two things. You start obsessing about it and you start fantasizing about it. 
Um, and that's when you, you exactly as you say, you sit there kind of thinking how wonderful it will be to have that drink. Um, and what you're really doing is just torturing yourself over it. You're sat there thinking about how lovely that glass of Pinot Grigio or that ice cold beer or whatever it is will taste and feel when you drink it. But the problem with that is, say, for example, you're not drinking for any reason, you suddenly can't concentrate or enjoy what you're doing because you're thinking about drinking. Now, a kind of a common one, and this often happens when people stop, is they find that, and this is what you hear a lot, I can't relax in the evening. You know, how do you relax without a drink? But actually, the dynamic isn't that alcohol is helping you because what's happening, you know, take a typical evening, you I don't know that many people come home from the office anymore, bearing in mind lockdown, but, you know, you finish work for the day. It's been a stressful day. You sit down, you have a meal, you put the TV on. Now, having a meal and sitting down and watching TV and taking your mind off work is inherently pleasurable. But if you're sat there thinking about alcohol and how much you want to drink and how you're not particularly happy because you can't have one, then you're not thinking about enjoying the meal you're not concentrating on what's t what's on tv what you're actually doing is going through an unpleasant kind of almost internal tantrum because mm-hmm. you want something you can't have um, and that really is what a craving is it's that sort of torturing yourself with the thought of something now the problem is then if you have whatever it is you want that you can't have so in this situation alcohol as soon as you have it you remove that unpleasant mental conundrum and you can then sit and actually Mm. concentrate on your meal and concentrate on what's going on on the tv and if you get embroiled in the storyline of course it takes your mind off what was happening at work so alcohol hasn't actually helped all it's done is cause this conundrum that's stopping you from relaxing and then by having it it's then removed it if that makes sense yeah it's almost like you're tricking yourself aren't you you're you're, you're creating it yourself you're creating your own monster in your head yeah exactly and and then you're and then you're sort of um sedating that monster with a a drink but you created it in the first place it's just a it's just a like you say it's a fantasy yeah, it's a total illusion fantasy. isn't it i mean we do it to mm. ourselves and what, it's almost like we know we're doing it sort of deep down on a subconscious level we know that we're creating it because we want to relieve it that's the reason why we're creating it because we want to drink because yes. that's what we're addicted to doing so mm. we create that monster for ourselves yeah then then if we do choose to have that first drink william number question number two we're going into mm-hmm. um why does it feel so amazing? I mean, I know we're relieving some chemicals there. There's going to be hormones involved. Like, what is going on in our bodies when we take yeah. a sip of that if first I, drink? And if I can just interrupt before you answer, I've never done heroin, but obviously I've watched on TV as people shoot up with heroin and you mm-hmm. can kind of get that that sense of, of absolute pleasure that they're getting. I liken that to what it used to be like for me having that first sip of drink it was just so incredibly pleasurable even though the alcohol hasn't hit your yeah. system of course because it takes probably 20 minutes for anything to be really entered into your bloodstream and have any side yeah. effects from it but, but just yet, one sip makes yeah, us feel incredible yeah. why is that so that there's a few points there there's there's some physiological points and some psychological points i've already touched on the you know that craving that fantasizing so firstly when you're actually drinking you're getting rid of that what I refer to as like an unpleasant mental tantrum that you're going through. But there's also a few physiological sides to it because alcohol is is a chemical depressant. It's a sedative. So it's something that decreases or inhibits nerve activity. 
And that's why we tend to feel more relaxed after a drink. Um, but where the real problem comes in is your brain has its own store of drugs, hormones and chemicals, um, and it releases them at exactly the right times and exactly the right quantities to keep you feeling, you know, positive and awake and well. Um, you know, things you would have heard about like adrenaline and endorphins and cortisone, all these different things. And it, it helps to think of it as just this massive chemical balance. It's called homeostasis, but it's like a, a delicate chemical balance that your brain works to maintain. So when you take something like alcohol, which is a sedative, your brain reacts to it. And what it does, it tries to become hypersensitive so that it can work under the sedating effects of the alcohol. Um, and there's lots and lots of different ways it does this. There, there's different chemicals it releases, adrenaline to sort of to, to, to wake you up and feel more stimulated. But the problem is then when the alcohol wears off, that overstimulation remains. Um, now, if you're regularly drinking, one of the biggest pleasures in having a drink is actually just relieving that unpleasant feeling that's been left over from the last drink. Because mm -hmm. if you think about it, your, your brain's set up and it's working absolutely fine, but then you introduce this sedative, so it becomes hypersensitive, um, and then the alcohol wears off, the sedative wears off, and that that hypersensitivity remains afterwards. And during that period, you know, if you've just had one small glass of wine, that feeling will be almost imperceptible. You'll just feel slightly out of sorts and, you know, maybe slightly more anxious than you usually would. But then if you're talking about a bottle, two bottles of wine, whatever, that's when it manifests itself in like actual anxiety. You feel quite unpleasant. And that's where that term anxiety comes in, that anxiety you get when you're hungover. It's actually got a chemical basis for it. There's two ways you can get rid of that unpleasant feeling. One is just to wait a few days because eventually your brain then goes back to normal. But a far quicker way of getting rid of that unpleasant feeling is to take another drink because the reason you feel unpleasant is because your brain's geared to work under the sedating effects of the alcohol, but there's no alcohol there. So if you introduce a bit of alcohol, you immediately go back to feeling more relaxed. Hi there. I wanted to tell you about a podcast that I think every single one of you will benefit from. It's called Therapy Works, and it's hosted by me, Julia Samuel. I'm a best-selling author and psychotherapist. I invite you into my therapy room, where I speak to either a known or unknown guest. Topics range from the difficulties of divorce, a life-changing illness, to the struggles of motherhood. Search Therapy Works now, wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. 
This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So, as you probably know, my comedy memoir, A Thousand Wasted Sundays, is officially out. All my magnificent fuckuppery in one awkward hit. If you'd like to get your hands on a copy, it's now available from all good bookstores. We always say all good bookstores, don't we? Yeah. Are, there, are there bad bookstores? There's probably ones with moody, moody sellers. Oh, yeah, really yeah. depressed librarian folks. Yes, yes, okay, yes, yes. So there are probably some, but we're only storing it in the good ones. It's only made it into the goodies. Yeah. You can also get it from all good online retailers. The print version and ebook are out now, and the audio book will be available in March. I've been writing my memoir for five years. It will make you laugh, cry and cringe and hopefully inspire a few people to reconsider their relationship with booze. If you love the podcast, then I think you'll love the book, even if I do say so myself. Hamish has read it. What did you think? I feel like I know a little bit too much about you now, to be honest, Vic. Look, I really loved it. It was hilarious and surprisingly moving, but I feel like I've seen you naked in a literary sense. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah, that's worrying. Yeah. Yeah. From an emotional point of view, seriously, it wobbled my teeny weeny wooden heart, Vic. Okay. (laughs) My teeny little wooden heart. His his wooden heart is broken. Anyway, so if you do manage to get your filthy mitts on a copy, please do me a favour and head to goodreads.com and give me a review. Doing that will help me get it out there to those that need a bit of sober support. So there you have it. My story, unwanted warts and all. Come and get awkward with me. Not to be too demanding or anything, but seriously, go and buy it Yeah, go and buy it. Go and buy it right now. Yeah, don't just tell your friends. Buy it and then buy your friends one or two. Yeah, yeah, don't give them a copy. Buy it, yeah. And you know what? Don't be careful where you store it. If you lose it, you can always buy another five. Yeah, buy another one. Yeah. (laughs) 